Romans 14, and I'm going to read read the whole chapter. Then I'll pray, and we'll head into God's Word together. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in their own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to ourselves alone, and none of us die for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? For we will stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. 
So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Let me, uh, let me pray. Father, we've just been singing, speak, 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 O Lord, speak to us. Please, would you do that now by your Spirit? As I, Father, as I come to a, to a subject that is difficult, a, a, a matter that can be very contentious and can be quite divisive, even within the Christian community, I would, I would pray for a special filling of your Spirit and anointing by your Spirit, to preach your Word to the hearts of your people, that this Word would be your Word, that this would be you speaking to us. And pray that you would direct my thoughts, direct my words, that we may glorify you through your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there's a title for you, To Jab or Not To Jab. If uh, you are on email, then you will have known that uh, this particular subject is coming this morning. It was Shakespeare's Hamlet who said, to be or not to be, that is the question. The question of our time has been to jab or not to jab, that is the question. As I deal with this most important subject this morning, the thing that I want you to, to know right up front is that this comes to you as a collaboration from myself together with the elders. This is something that we have worked through together so that what, what you're hearing from me this morning is, is, is not my take on what I think the Scriptures are saying to the issue of the vaccination. It's our take. This is, this is your leadership. This is your eldership saying, this is how we see the Scriptures speaking to this particular matter. And one of the questions that we always ask is why? Why why speak on this matter? And I want to give you a, just a few reasons which I hope are coming up on the screen. Um, wh why speak about this, this matter? Um, actually, that's one, one thing too far. Here's the first reason. Christians differ very, very strongly over the vaccine. And I have no doubt here this morning there may be some of you that are on very different sides of this particular matter. Very strong opposing views of whether to take the vax or not take the vax. How do we deal with that? How do we work through that as a Christian body, as a Christian community? That's why we need to talk about it. Secondly... Although you will not find the word vaccine in the Bible, the Bible, we are told, speaks to every area of life. So, for example, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own goodness and glory. It is ultimately critical that we understand how the Scriptures speak to every area of life. How does it speak to 
every aspect, including this matter of the vaccine. Thirdly, as you know that we are going to be living with COVID long term. And that process has already started. You, you will know by now that a vaccine passports are on the horizon. There is no jab, no fly. There's no jab. There's no work. It may even be that, that, that Centrelink benefits may be reduced if you haven't got the vax. Uh, it is even possible that we're going to go to a point where you won't be allowed to come to a public gathering like this one unless you have been vaxxed. So we need to work through these things. This presses into the issue of freedom, doesn't it? It presses into the issue of, of Australian freedom. I mean, I mean, can we be forced to take the jab? Does that not breach our Australian freedom on which Australia has been founded? What about our Christian freedom? Does that not impinge on that? I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, I belong to no one. I am free. I am free. I belong to no one. I uh, have lots of chats at, uh, at the gym, as you can imagine, and uh, I was talking to this Aussie bloke, uh, not a Christian, and we ended up talking about the vaccine because that's what people talk about in the gym, the vaccine, amongst other things, and he sort of summed it up rather well when he said, well, I don't really have a problem with the jab, I just don't like being told what to do. Pretty Aussie-like, isn't it? And, and so what this issue does as well is it brings to the fore this matter of Christian obedience and submission to the governing authorities. What's our approach to that? How do we respond to that? Are we able to civilly disobey the government in this regard? And I'm sure that all of you at some point on the TV, you've, you've seen those protests, haven't you? In Australia, around the, world, around the world, you've seen those riots that people have had where people have been protesting and rioting against governments that are insisting that people have to have the jab. I hope from that you can understand that it's an important issue for us to deal with and look at and think about and work through together. I'm going to cover a lot of ground this morning. Uh, and, and here are four things that I hope would be the end result. Number one is to show you how the Scriptures speak to this matter. That would be my first goal, primarily. Number two, in view of that, how is that going to affect, how is that going to shape decisions that we will make at BBC? They are very important, particularly in terms of the roadmap and that sort of stuff. Thirdly, I, I do hope that after the service, uh, there's a number of coffee stations that we'll be able to gather and, and we will actually have good, godly discussion around these things. And uh, your leadership will be open to, to talking with you and discussing with you. And I, I can't cover every aspect, of course. But, but number four, here at the end of the day, we want to glorify Christ, don't we? How I respond to the vax whether I take the, the, the jab or not, what I do with it, how I speak to others, how I speak about others. We want to glorify Jesus Christ, don't we? And I pray that, that this will be a, a, a way of, of, of doing that. A couple of comments just up front before we really get into it. As your elders of this church, it's important for you to know that we do not think that COVID is a hoax.
indicating just how contentious this matter can be, right? As the elders of this church, we do not believe that COVID is a hoax. We do not believe that it is some sort of worldwide conspiracy by a mega elite in order to take over the world. And we do not believe that it is a mark of the beast. The mark of the beast in Revelation is not, and you're going to have to hold it till the end, chat to me afterwards. The mark of the beast is not a physical thing. The mark of the beast is the spirit of Antichrist. In other words, you have the mark of the beast if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. If you reject Christ, you have the mark of the beast. Now, let me say this as well. I know, I know that, that, that there are people in this world that are making millions, if not billions of dollars off the vaccine, right? That's always going to be the case. But COVID-19, with all its strains, is a dangerous thing. And it has turned the world upside down. Let me make four statements which will all interlock as we go forward. Here's number one. To jab or not to jab is a disputable matter. Is a disputable matter. Have a look at Romans chapter 14, verse 1 with me. It's on the screen. It says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, the whole context of Romans 14 is about disputable matters. It's about those things over which Christians disagree, right? So if you have a look at verse 2 in Romans chapter 14, Christians are differing over whether they can eat meat or not, certain types of meat or not. Uh, Look at verse 5, they're disagreeing over holy days, which days are holy, which days are not holy. If you go down to verse 22, you'll notice the mentioning of drinking of wine. Can Christians drink wine? Can they have alcohol? or not. Now in the passage Romans 14 there's no mention of vaccine. You don't get the word vaccine in the Bible anywhere. However, how Paul helps these Christians to work through the disagreeable matters, disputable matters applies for the vaccine. So, the vaccine first and foremost falls into what we would call a disagreeable disputable category. In other words, it's something, and we've witnessed that again this morning, it is something over which Christians will differ. They will divide, if you like. It it, it can be very, very contentious. It's disputable. And that's why if you look at verse, have a look at your Bible, look at verse 13, because it's disputable, because there will be differences of opinion, Paul says, therefore, let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up in your own mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in front of your brother or sister. Now, what this means is this. If as Christians we are happy to take the vax, or as Christians we're not happy to take the vax, we must respect one another's views, even though we strongly disagree. One of the things that concerns me the most, and living illustration, one of the things that concerns me the most in this whole debate is, 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 is sometimes the utter contempt with which Christian pro-vaxxers and Christian anti-vaxxers treat each other. 
The concern, it's not, listen to me, it's not ungodly that we disagree. It's not ungodly that we disagree. It's ungodly in, in, if we treat each other and talk about each other with, with, with contempt. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is, don't you? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These things have to be present when we're dealing with one another over these particular matters. The fruit of the Spirit has to be expressed. Are we doing that? As we deal with each other, as we talk to each other, are you doing that? Are you expressing the fruit of the Spirit in this disputable manner? And that's why I have a look at verse 10. Paul says, you then... Why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Can I just, right at the start your brothers and sisters, can I ask that we would not treat each other with utter contempt? And that if we are being harsh, if we are being ungodly, if we are being unloving, if we are being un unkind in the way we're talking about each other, and, and I'm keeping this in the Christian context of Christian pro-vax and Christian anti-vax. If, 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 if that attitude is in us, I, I am calling us this morning to repent, to turn away from that ungodly behavior. To jab or not to jab, firstly, is a disputable matter. And, and that means it's non-core, it's non-gospel, it's not central to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Here's number two. To jab or not to jab is a disputable matter before the Lord. Before the Lord. Have a look at verse four. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. And then just flick your eye down to verse eight. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die before the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now this is very important because here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that whatever a Christian believes with regards to a disputable matter, it is ultimately between them and the Lord. Paul is saying it's ultimately between their conscience and the Lord. In these disagreeable, disputable matters, we're accountable to the Lord. A, a, a Christian is not ultimately accountable to me. A Christian is not ultimately a servant to me. They, they, they are accountable to their Lord, to their master. They, 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 uh, they, they're servants of, of the Lord Jesus. And so it's their conscience before the Lord. And if therefore a a Christian's conscience before the Lord does not allow them to drink something, eat something, watch something, listen to something, go somewhere, take the vax, then we have to what? Honor and respect that because that's before them and the Lord. If you've been a Baptist for a while, you will have heard of a concept called the liberty of conscience. It's one of the sort of five pillars of the Baptist church, the liberty of conscience. And and, and, and that's what really Paul is talking about here. What he's saying is that in these disputable matters, we have to give each other liberty. We have to give each other the freedom of conscience. We are not all wired in the same way. Let me be more specific. 
our consciences are not all the same. They, they are not all wired exactly in the same way. We've got different backgrounds, different experiences, different whatevers. And, and so our, our, our consciences are in different places. And we can allow each other the liberty of conscience in areas that are disagreeable. So, in the context of the vaccine, in the context of the vaccine, if you believe it is wrong before the Lord to take the vaccine, don't take it. Don't take it. Do not violate your conscience. If we're okay to take the jab, then we can take it. But we do not make derogatory, contemptuous comments about others that don't, and vice versa. Even if you do not agree with the reasons why a Christian is pro-vax or anti-vax, even if you think a pro-vax and an anti-vax, even if you think they haven't thought through the issue properly, it's between them and the Lord. Even if you think the pro-vaxxer, the anti-vaxxer, if you think, oh, they're so misinformed, they're caught up in conspiracy theory, we can engage gently, we can discuss gently, but that is between them and the Lord. And we have to give that liberty of conscience. Have a look at the end of verse 3. It's, it's, it's just so profound. For the Lord has what? Accepted them. The, the Lord accepts his children on either sides of all the disagreeable matters. So if the Lord accepts a pro-vax and the Lord accepts an anti-vax, who are we not to? Who are we not to? You with me so far? All right, halfway. Number three. To jab or not to jab is a disputable matter before the Lord and here comes the turn, controlled by love. Controlled by love. Now, you might be sitting here and saying, okay, I get this thing. To jab or not to jab, hey, that's cool. You want a jab? You have a jab. You don't want a jab? Don't have a jab. You might just say, well, we've you, you we got to respect the, the, the person that's got the freedom and respect the person who's got the freedom. I mean, I mean, pro-vax, anti-vax, I mean, we're just going to call ourselves happy vaxxers, right? Mm, yes, but no. Yes, but no. Let me take you to uh, these verses in Romans 14, 19 to 21. Listen carefully. Paul says, let us make every effort to, to, to move towards peace and mutual edification. Do not, destroy, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Here's, here's the verse. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Paul has got immense freedom to eat anything. The Apostle Paul, that is. This one, too. Um, the Apostle Paul has got immense freedom to drink alcohol. Paul, the Apostle, has got immense freedom in the sense he doesn't think that there are such things as holy days. But... 
Paul does not just take the position that he will respect someone else in another disputable space. Listen, he will love people to the extent of restricting his freedom. Did you hear that? He will respect the space, but listen, he will love people to the extent that he will even restrict his freedom for another brother or sister. Now, I need to be very, very careful in the way that I apply that to the vaccine. But before I do that, I want to give you two illustrations to illustrate this restricting of freedom out of love for someone else. Because I want to say to you this morning, I truly believe that this is one of our biggest struggles. I believe as Christians, we, we love our freedom, but we really struggle to restrain or change or, or, or bring in our freedom, restrict our freedom out of love for another brother or sister. Let me illustrate two ways. Here's the first one. And I think I have shared this with you at some point in the past. I, uh, I, I have freedom to drink alcohol in moderation. Back in South Africa, I had a kids' church, in, a kids church teacher in our previous church, and she did not have the freedom to drink alcohol the way that I did. Some of the reasons her conscience was wired differently. Why? She grew up in an alcoholic background. She, she married a policeman that, that had to face alcohol-infused violence every single day. She was a school teacher that addressed children that were affected by, by parents that were alcoholics. And so when she knew that I, I drank, and obviously in, in, in moderation, this offended her. It became a stumbling block to her. It was very difficult for her to sit in the pew like you are this morning and look at me and listen to me preach because of, of, of the stuff going on. Now, it would be very easy just to turn around and say, well, look at Romans 14. You respect her lack of freedom, and she must respect your freedom and, you know, sort of happy alcohol sort of stuff. But did you notice in the passage that Paul goes from what? Those that have more freedom to less freedom. Do you see that? He, he asked those who have maximum freedom to consider restricting that for the sake of those that don't. It doesn't go the other way. He doesn't say to people that have got less freedom, well, you just need to sort of lighten up for the sake of those that have more. It's from the more to the, to the less. So I, I, I tell you, I wrestled with this issue. I wrestled with my freedom. And I wrestled with how to love her. How do I love this woman in my church? In Romans chapter 14 Verse 21, if I can put it back up there. That verse became a life-changing verse. As, and I'll never forget the moment that it happened at midnight, one night, where that landed. It is better not to eat meat or drink alcohol or do anything that will cause your brother or sister to stumble. And right there, I took a decision never to take alcohol again while that lady was in my church. And she was with us for about another three years. Let me give you another illustration. Back in South Africa in the 1990s, uh, I, I grew up in a very conservative evangelical church. I was saved in, an, in a 
Sorry, uh, where's Stuart? Anglican Church, thank you. Um, it was very conservative, and, and, and it was a day, it was an era when tattoos were taboo. And the taboo on tattoos was based on this verse in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, where it says, Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Now, you need to understand that in the New Covenant, that is a disputable matter. To tattoo or not to tattoo is a freedom issue. That's what it is. Now, so one day, this uh, young lady, bless her soul, decided to go and get a tattoo. And uh, I forget exactly what the tattoo was. She put it on the back of her shoulder here, and we had wooden pews, and she was sitting about three rows from the front with a sleeveless uh, shirt on, and all the uh, conservatives sitting behind her could see this brand spanking new tattoo. And uh, I thought we were going to have a bonfire or something that particular morning. Uh, the, 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 the distress amongst the conservatives within that church was very, very high. They, they looked at this tattoo. They looked at the lady. They thought she was doing wrong. They thought she had sinned and, and Leviticus and so on and so on and so on. And it became quite a big issue. It sort of raised up in the congregation, went to the leadership and... What would have been very easy to do, but it would have been very unloving, would be to say to those anti-tatters, hey, get over yourself. Like it's a freedom issue, you know, whatever. If she wants a tattoo, she can have a tattoo. And that would have been the most unloving thing to do. What's the question? How does she love? Is there a way in which her freedom can be constrained out of love? Right? That's the question. And that's what the leadership had to work through with her. And where did we land? We did not say to her she needed to go to the, t the tattoo removal parlor and have the thing removed from her body. That was not the thing to do. She wasn't sinning by doing it. So what did we do? We just asked her to, to cover it. Maybe it would be a, a big patch or something, or perhaps just to wear a, 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 a top with a, which has sleeves in, in a corporate worship. It was a public gathering, the same sort of thing. We didn't ask her to cover up because we thought the tattoo was wrong. We asked her to cover the tattoo because it was the most loving thing to do. Restrict her freedom out of love so that people sitting behind her were not led to stumble when worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ together in the body. Now, as I apply this to the vax, I said to you I need to be very careful. Now, let me say, please don't hear this. So I'm gonna, here's my disclaimer. Don't hear this. This is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying pro-vax has more freedom and anti-vax has less freedom. I'm not saying that, and that's not the way to apply it. I'm not saying that a pro-vaxxer is stronger in the faith and the anti-vaxxer is less strong in the faith, or vice versa. And I'm not saying either, as we apply this, I'm not saying, well, just out of pure love, you know, a pro-vax out of love for the anti-vax won't get vaxxed, and the anti-vax for the pro-vax out of love is going to get vaxxed. That's not the way to apply it. What's the principle? What's the principle? Love. We are to do everything in love. In a disputable matter, in something that we all differ on or can differ on, what does love look like? 
What would love look like in this? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14, Paul says, do everything in love. Put the vax in there. Consider the vax in love. Take the vax or not take the vax in love. Consider it in the principle of love. So I do want you to hear this. In secondary, disputable, disagreeable, non-salvation issues, you may have a very strong stance. Your conscience may be wired in a particular way. Now hear me. Here's the big thing. Even though your conscience is wired in a particular way, your conscience is not the final court of appeal. Did you hear that? There's a big statement. Your conscience is not the final court of appeal. What is? Love. Love. Back to Paul. The Apostle Paul had the most immense amount of freedom. His conscience allowed him so much freedom. But his freedom was changed or constrained or it was subjected to the issue of love because it's not a salvation issue. Our consciences should be influenced, changed, constrained by love where possible. So here's the question I want to ask. In the question of the vaccine, what's the most loving thing we can do? And let me tell you where we as an eldership have landed. As an eldership, we believe, and I'm going to say this twice. As an eldership, we believe it is a loving action to have the vax, even if you are personally concerned about the vax in some form or another. Can I say that again? As an eldership, we believe it's a loving action to have the vax even if you are concerned about the vax in some form or another. Some people say it a whole lot better than me, so I'm going to let them speak to it. Uh, this is by a woman by the name of Megan Best. She's a writer for the Gospel Coalition, uh, a Christian and she also happens to be a professional bioethicist. And here's what she said. It's a very, very strong statement. She said, The conscience of those who remain unpersuaded should be respected, but this does not automatically confer on them a right to act in a way that endangers the health and safety of others. It's a strong statement, isn't it? And it's absolutely right. She goes, uh, she goes on to say this. I think I've got it here. In the absence of any convincing argument to the contrary, accepting a vaccination should be strongly encouraged as a way to reduce the duration and severity of the pandemic, lessening the risk of illness and death, the stress of lockdown, and the strain on our healthcare system. End quote. Let me take you to my fourth. Uh, ah, and, and she finishes it by, by saying it, it's an obvious and practical way in which Christians obey God's command for us to love our neighbors. And, and that really is the space and the place into which we push here as leadership at BBC. So let me give you a, here's my fourth one. And again, it can be very contentious. 
To jab or not to jab is a disputable matter before the Lord, controlled by love in obedience to the government. Have a look at Romans 13, verse 1, which says, Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, I've said this to you before. I will say it many, many times. If the government ever asks us to do something that is directly opposed to obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ or somehow impinges on our allegiance to him, we will not comply. We should not comply. We must not comply. There are times and places for civil disobedience. But the vax is not a moral issue. It falls into that disputable category of Romans 14. And here's a big statement. We can lovingly obey the government because it's for the sake of others. Does that make sense? We obey the government because we're serving and we're loving others. Haven't got this on the screen. Let me quote Megan Best again. Here's what she says. She says, our government has a legitimate God-given responsibility to protect the safety of its citizens and safeguard the interests of the most vulnerable. It's not overstepping the boundaries of its mandate if it requires religious groups to install smoke detectors in their buildings, obtain working with childcare clearances for their staff and volunteers, or observe public health regulations to restrict the spread of the pandemic. There are situations in which our... There are situations in which our duty as Christians to love God and seek the good of our neighbors may require us to stand in civil disobedience against an unjust law. But it would be a rare situation indeed in which conscience required us to disobey the public health measures put in place by a democratically elected government. End quote. So let me just shape it slightly this way. As the elders of this church, we believe it is honoring to the Lord to honor the government COVID regulations because we're loving others. Does that make sense? It's honoring to the Lord to honor the government COVID regulations because it's serving others, it's protecting the weak, it's protecting the vulnerable, it's loving our neighbors. We therefore can submit to the government in these regards. Okay, let me give you a sum up and uh, deal with a couple of more little things. Here's a sum up and a way forward. First of all, I do want to encourage, maybe you've done this already. I, I, I suspect that most of you here probably have had one jab. Maybe most of you have had two by now. But maybe you haven't had a chance even to work through, think about it. Please work out your freedom. And, and th- th- there'll be another one coming along. There'll be COVID-21 or 25, I don't know. Something's coming. There'll be another one, another issue. And what you've got to do is you've got to work out your freedom, right? You've got to work out where do you stand before the Lord? Not where you stand before me. Not where you stand before the elders. Where do you stand? What's your freedom? However, you need to work out that freedom in love. What that means, two things. One You respect the brother or sister that has a differing view from you. And you're willing to consider your freedom being changed, constrained for the sake of love. Even if you hold to a strong position. 
But here's a big one. And this may be quite hard for some of you to hear. You've got to accept the consequences for your freedom. Having said all this to you, if you get to the position this morning and you say, Paul, I have worked it all out. I've worked out my freedom before the Lord. I cannot take the jab. To me, it's wrong. To me, it is sinful. To me, it violates the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear the bit about love. I get all that stuff. I can't do it. I cannot do it before the Lord. Then I say to you, don't do it. Don't do it. Do not take the jab. Do not violate your conscience. However, you have to accept the consequences that will come from that before the Lord. There may be consequences for that decision. You may have to accept that you can't work in certain areas. It may have to accept that you can't fly to certain places. You may have to accept that you're going to get reduced family benefits. It could well be that you would not be allowed to come to a public church service just like this one. It becomes part of the cost for you. And it's, it's, it's a cost that you bear before the Lord. Now, you might turn around at that point and say, well, this is unfair, it's not right, it's an impringement on my freedoms. If, if you want to then go and campaign against the government, against the legislation, enforcing them uh, that, that because they're forcing you to have the jab, you're free to do that. You've got that freedom to do that. But two things. One, you need to do it legally. Number two, you need to do it lovingly. And number three, you should not expect pro-vaxxers to campaign with you. If you stand before the Lord and you make a call, you stand before the Lord on those consequences. And you have to bear them. So where does that leave us all? I want to just a little bit of a roadmap here. It's probably obvious where we're going <laughs> from what I've said, but let me just put it this way. As you know, at some, at some stage... Some of us are hoping sooner rather than later the borders are going to open, except for our supreme commander, Mark McGowan. Probably wait till we're 100% vaxxed before he does anything. Who knows? At, at some stage, the borders are going to open. Uh, regulations, uh, they're going to change. They're going to shift. They're busy doing that. It may be, it may be, and I think it probably is coming, that in order to go to a public gathering like a church or somewhere else, that you would have to be vaxxed in order to attend. If that happens, we as the elders would be in support of such measures because we are loving our neighbors and we are prioritizing the interests of the most vulnerable. Before I tie it all up with a couple of couple of little statements, let me give you one more. It's a fairly lengthy quote by Megan Best because she says it best. But this should not mean that we exclude those who have not been vaccinated from the fellowship of the church or from the circle of our ministry. If a regime of vaccine passports is to be with us for some time into the future, then our energy should, should be expended not on fighting against it, but finding safe, inclusive, and responsible ways to gather and minister within such a context. 
One obvious option would be to advocate for a system that permitted those who remain unvaccinated or incompletely vaccinated to produce either to produce evidence of being COVID negative as a condition for church attendance. Another would be to continue and expand the range of online opportunities for Christian fellowship and online communication like we've got with live stream. And as restrictions on outdoor gatherings continue to be relaxed into the future, another would be to take more of our gatherings, both small and large, into suitable outdoor spaces. And then she says this, with care, creativity, and a willingness to pursue the good of others ahead of our own convenience and advantage, it should be entirely possible for us to practice both our call to minister the gospel to all people and our responsibility to love our neighbors and care for the vulnerable without requiring one of these commitments to trump the other. End quote. Great statement. So, let me finish up. I hope, and I haven't dealt with every single aspect, as you can imagine, that would be too difficult to do. Um, I, I hope that to some degree that I've shown you how the scriptures speak into issues like the vaccine, which are disputable. I hope I've given you some, some tools to work with, to think through, because you need to go and wrestle with this before the Lord. Okay. I, I, I hope that I've given you some sort of shape about how we see things at BBC in terms of leadership and eldership and how that's going to shape the future. I, I really hope that you're going to have some godly discussion and interaction over tea and coffee in just a moment or two. And at the end of the day, heart of heart, down bottom, right down in the core, that we would glorify Christ. And before you, I stand on behalf of your eldership this morning to say that we believe that the way we've handled the Scriptures here and the way we're looking at it and the way we're looking down the line, we do believe that this is the best way to glorify Christ. That's where we stand on it. Let me end with this. Do you remember the words of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark chapter 8, he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Okay? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. I hope that you've seen it's, we want to glorify Christ. We want to be obedient to Christ. And there are issues like this which, are so difficult. They're so difficult. And, and, and it's not always clear, right, wrong. It, it, it's just not always clear. So when you're in that quandary and in that, almost in that conundrum, what do you do? The, the pathway that helps you is always this. Deny yourself for the sake of others. That, that's the broad framework. Does that remind you of anybody? Does that remind you of the Lord Jesus? What did he do? Denied himself? Denied his freedom? Denied his privileges? Gave up all the glories of heaven to become a man to do what? Save us, right? Deny yourself for the sake of... I think if we keep that paradigm in place, which is on Jesus and on the cross, that becomes... That becomes the guidance. That becomes the signpost. That points you 
in the right direction. Let's pray. Father, it, uh, it, 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 it grieves our hearts when, when, when brothers and sisters in Christ can get so upset and, and over, 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 over issues like this. And I do want to just pray for that couple. I want to just commit them to you, Lord. And I, I know that they feel very strongly about certain things and... Um, and just commit them to you, Lord. They stand before you. They go before you. And, and even as we think about them, and even as we, we talk about that experience in our midst, that we would be loving and gracious and kind. And may we, may we extend that to one another in this space this morning. Please give us a, give us a freedom to talk and to, to discuss. And please help us to be like those noble Bereans in Acts 17, where we, we come to your scriptures and we grapple and we wrestle and we, we chew and we, we, we work out our freedom in love be, before you and help us, Lord, to, to make the most godly decisions. And Father, Father, if there is anybody here this morning that for whatever reason just cannot before you, whatever the, the situation, cannot take the jab, uh, please would you give them the courage to, to, to keep to that conviction. May they stand before you. May they... May they know that they are loved and accepted in this place and help them to walk what will be a, a, very, uh, a very difficult road. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to deny ourselves for the sake of others, to love others as you have loved us. And we stand and sing your praise to your glory and to your honor alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and uh, let's glorify Christ.